I just love the way that Nicolas Cage says the Declaration of Independence. Like it's just, it like gives me chills. I don't know why. It's so like, he just gets so excited and I love it. You're listening to Atlas Now Streaming, the podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, television shows, and documentaries on streaming platforms. Atlas Now Streaming is produced by Atlas Men Staff with your hosts, Jamie Zerlingo and Nina Granger. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nina. You guys, today is the 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. Um, This is the first time that this particular holiday has fallen on the weekend for a while. I don't know the last time it was, but you know, it happens, what, like every five years with, you know, leap years. Um, but you know, for all of our um, healthcare professionals out there, you don't really get a weekend. Um, but I hope that you guys do get to celebrate a little bit for the holiday. Um, it's kind of a weird time to be uh, in America right now. It's definitely kind of a, a scary time. Hopefully though, it's a time, you know, of great positive change. I'll just say that. I hope we are moving towards a better, more inclusive America. And um, when we celebrate the holiday this weekend, I hope that we keep that in mind. Um, But on a more positive note, Nina and I decided it would be fun to review a uh, America-themed movie. And I suggested the one and only National Treasure, which is available right now on Disney+. And I love this movie. What about you, Nina? Um, I have some feelings about it. I think it, it's it's a Fourth of July movie, that's for sure. Did you say that you watch it every Fourth of July? Yes, I watch it around this time every year, or any sort of like America Day, like <laughs> like Memorial Day, or that's pretty much it. But America I don't know. Day. America Day. I don't know. I just I love this movie. I think it's more of a nostalgia thing than it being, you know, just this like masterpiece in filmmaking. It's a Disney film. So of course it's kind of cheesy and it's clearly not based in fact, because if you don't know the, uh, the basic premise of this film, it is that there is a secret hidden treasure being hidden in the United States by the uh, founding fathers, which obviously isn't true, but we we don't, we don't know that it's not true. Maybe it just hasn't been found yet. Correct. It could be, <laughs> it could be true. <laughs> um, it'd be really cool if it was, but, um, but it's, it's a fun movie. It's definitely a family film that everyone can watch and have fun watching. Like I said, I do watch it around this time every year just because, I don't know, I just, just get you know, in, in the mood for, for something a little fun and involving, you know, history. And I don't know. Um, I, real quick, before we get into it, I have a fun little story. So When I was in eighth grade, this movie actually came out when I was in seventh grade, and I remember seeing it in theaters, I think with my grandpa, and um, later that year, um, we, I was in eighth grade, and they were announcing the the eighth grade trip to uh, Washington, D.C., which, uh, Nina, did your middle school do that? Yeah, and I went when I was in eighth grade, so that was 2004 for me. Yeah. Um, so I went in 2006. I remember at the end of the semester, 
And we all, the entire eighth grade, like class sat in a room and watched this movie. And I had this teacher named Mrs. Weiner who was obsessed with Thomas Jefferson. She always talked about his thighs because he was a runner, something I will never, ever forget. But we watched this movie kind of to like, I don't know, prepare us for the trip. And um, we, we didn't just go to DC. We went to, um, we went to George Washington's house. We went to Virginia. We went to Bush Gardens. We went to, we kind of went all over um, the area and it was, it was a ton of fun. And so I also think about that when I watch this movie as well. So it's kind of nostalgic and, you know, brings me back to those days. But um, I thought, you know, just with our podcast falling on the 4th of July, this was a good fit. So that's kind of a nice little fit for the holiday for sure. Um, Plus it is very easily attainable right now because it's been out since 2004. So you can find it on Disney plus right now. Um, Do you know if it's anywhere else? You know, I don't think so. Um, It's probably on TV for sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If you have cable, I'm sure it'll be somewhere. Says it's on Hulu, but I don't believe that. I don't, I, I don't believe you, Google. Um, just really quickly see if that's true. For sure is on Disney Plus. Um, and yeah, it has been out since 2004. Um, and just some fun facts about um, who helped put this film together. So it was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, who has done tons of movies that you know of over the years. Flashdance, Top Gun, Con Air, Armageddon, Pearl Harbor, Bad Boys, Pirates of the Caribbean. And he's also behind like CSI Miami and those type of shows. So this guy has quite the filmography. Um, It was directed by John Turtletob, who um, he's, I don't know, he has kind of a weird collection of movies he's directed. Um, While You Were Sleeping, Cool Runnings, The Kid, and also The Meg as in the movie about the giant shark. So did you ever see that? I did. <laughs> was it stupid? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but so fun fact, I was pregnant when I watched it. And there's a scene that made me cry. And it's like, it's not a sad scene at all. I mean, it kind of <laughs> is. But I was like, why am I crying watching the Meg? <laughs> oh. Right. Pregnancy hormone. I wanted to see it because it had Rain Wilson in it. But then I heard it got bad reviews. And I was like, well, I'm not gonna waste my money. It's, I mean, like the shark's really not even in it that much. Like that's like the disappointing thing. Like it's, it's, it could be better. It's not great, but it's not like the worst movie I've ever seen either. Just watch Shark Week. Yes. You want the sharks? Watch Shark Week. Absolutely. That's like coming up, isn't it? It's usually like in the summer. Yeah. Like the end of July, beginning of August, I thought. It does not look like National Treasure. There is apparently a drama series that is a Hulu original called National Treasure that is available on Hulu, but not the film. (laughs) Yes, not the film. Um, And then uh, it was written by Jim Kof and um, the Wibberleys, which is a um, wife and husband and wife uh, duo that um, write films. Honestly, like they weren't really known for anything huge. Um, and then this guy has also written Rush Hour and Snow Dogs. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> take that for what it yeah. is. Those kind um, of go together. It's fine. Yeah. Yes. Um, let's get into um, some of the 
actors in this film. So of course, our lead actor is the one and only Nicolas Cage as Ben Gates, who is, of course, extremely famous. He's been in tons of films. Um, just a few that I wrote down. Um, Leaving Las Vegas is probably his best work. He actually won an Academy Award for that role. Valley Girl, Peggy Sue Got Married, Con Air, um, Face Off, uh, City of Angels. He was in Kick-Ass, Ghost Rider, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and of course, tons of other movies. I used to hate Nicolas Cage because I'm like, oh, he's such a bad actor. But I just, over the years, have grown to love him. I just think he is one of the most interesting people in Hollywood. He's just so bizarre. And I love him in this role because he just fits it so well. He is so bizarre. He kind of gives me the creeps a little bit. I don't know why. He's kind of a weirdo. Did you see a couple years ago, there was like this video of him like singing karaoke in a bar, like drunk, that like went viral? That's really funny, actually, because um, when I was researching like fun facts for this movie, one of the things that he has like he reported himself doing like a ton of times with the lead actress in this movie that they would go and do karaoke like all the time together just so as like a bonding experience for the two of them. That's so cute. Oh, (laughs) I love that. I hope there's film of it somewhere. Oh, yeah, I'm sure someone has that. We just got to know the right people. Um, moving on, we have um, Sean Bean as Ian Howe, who um, is kind of the the villain of the film. Um, he's probably a best, best known for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, Diane Kruger, who plays Dr. Abigail Chase, who is, um, she's an archivist at the National Archives. She helps the lead characters in um, their treasure hunt and also is the love interest of Ben Gates. Um, And she, when I was looking at things that she's been in, she is a German actress. So she's done a lot of films overseas. She also was a model. Um, The only thing that I saw that she's in that I knew of just right off the bat was um, Inglorious Bastards. But um, I knew I recognized her from somewhere, but I couldn't figure out what it was, but it must have been Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, I couldn't, any, everything else didn't really like jump out to me. Um, and then um, Justin Bartha plays Riley Poole. He is um, a computer expert and kind of Ben's right hand guy. Um, he is famous for the Hangover trilogy, um, tons of other stuff too, but I'd say like, I guess in recent years, that's probably what he's best known for, even though he really doesn't have like a big role in the Hangover films. He's the guy that gets lost in the first one, so <laughs> doesn't really have that big of a role. Um, John Voigt, who um, plays um, Patrick Henry Gates, who is um, Ben Gates' father, and um in real life, he is um, uh, Angelina Jolie's father. So, uh, fun fact there. And, you know, he's been in a ton of films, too. Um, he's been acting for a long, long time. He's in Anaconda, who's the, the villain in that. Catch-22, um, Varsity Blues, Laura Croft, Pearl Harbor, Holes. Been in quite a bit. Um, and then we have um, Harvey Kittel, Kittel? Um as Agent Peter um, Sadusky. He is um, an FBI agent who is um, on the case once the, um, the declaration has been stolen. He's been in a couple of things. He was in Reservoir Dogs, um, Thelma Louise, Pulp Fiction, Grand Budapest Hotel, The Irishman. 
been in quite a bit um, as well. He's also been acting for a long time. I would say those are like the main characters that we that we kind of follow throughout the film. Um, but but yeah, that is a that is the main cast. And uh, let's get into the plot. So this movie's kind of long. It's over two hours long, but um, I don't know. I think it's worth it. I think it's such a fun ride. I don't know about you, Nina, but I love it. So. <laughs> Um, the movie starts off with um, a flashback to 1974, um, and this is so funny. Everyone in the Gates family is named after someone famous, <laughs> so like John Adams Gates tells his grandson Benjamin Franklin Gates. So <laughs> cheesy, <laughs> so is. cheesy. It is, but it's so great. Um, so he tells him a story in which Charles Carroll of Carrollton passed on a secret to their ancestor in 1832 of a fabled treasure taken from ancient empires throughout history that was discovered by the Knights Templar and later protected by the Freemasons. The treasure would eventually be hidden in America by the founding fathers. And the clue leading to the treasure is the phrase, the secret lies with Charlotte. And while Ben, of course, being a kid, is super convinced of the story, his father is very skeptical and um, dismisses it as nonsense. Then we flash forward 30 years later, Ben has grown up to be a historian, um, a, oh my gosh, a historian, a cryptologist, and a treasure hunter. And he's been spending um, the better part of his life um, trying to find the treasure that his grandfather told him about. So he is actually on an expedition with Ian Howe and Riley um, to find the Charlotte, which is a ship that has been lost in the Arctic. And it is supposed to hold the first clue in finding the treasure. Inside the ship, they find a pipe, which... Um, when um when uh ink is on it or i guess in this case blood they like cut their hand and put uh or he cuts his finger i think and puts blood on it um reveals a riddle and it implies that the next clue is on the declaration of independence and i love this part i just love the way that nicholas cage says the declaration of independence like it's just it like, gives me chills i don't know why it's just so like he just gets so excited and i love it and um, of course, you know, we know the declaration is pretty impossible to get to. So um, Ian suggests that they steal it, which Ben is like, absolutely not. It is a sacred document to our country, obviously, and it's illegal and there's no way to do it. So because of their opposition, Ian's like, well, bye. And he's going to abandon him there and they're going to blow up the ship. So um, now it is between um, Ian and his group of guys and then Ben and Riley and um they return back to DC and um they try to inform the authorities that the declaration is going to be stolen they talk to the FBI they talk to Homeland Security and then they go to the archives but they all think that they're crazy and even Ben actually changes his name I think it's Paul Brown that he changes his name to because the name Gates has kind of come up in the historical world as a group of crazy people so um so yeah he uses the fake name so they don't you know they're none the wiser um and that's what he meets um abigail and um he tries to explain to her you know that uh there's a he believes that there is a, a treasure map on the back of the declaration and she of course is like i've looked at it many times i can uh, assure you that there's nothing there and based on the riddle Ben believes that the map is invisible which again sounds crazy so she dismisses them and uh, she also he can tell that she's um, very uh, a, just a, a collector of history she has all these different um, coins or um, not coins uh, campaign pins from 
the early, early presidents. And he really admires that about her. You know, she appreciates history. And um, they go to the archives and actually look at the document in person. And I actually, I have to read this because I feel like it's still um, poignant today. The line that um, Ben reads out loud that kind of pushes him to um, decide to steal the declaration himself is, but when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute depotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. And when he says that, you know, Riley's like, I don't know what you meant. And he's like, it means that um, when something's wrong, that those who have the power to change it and do something about it should do something. And so he kind of takes it upon himself, like, well, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. And again, the chills when he says it, just like walking away, like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And Riley's like, no, 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 we can't do this. It's impossible. And it's legal. You'll go to prison for the rest of your life. Um, but he, he ends up finding the perfect opportunity to do it. So there's like a 70th anniversary of the archives gala going on. So he sneaks in and um, when they go to clean the document, that's when he's able to sneak in. And with uh, Riley's help in kind of getting through some locked doors, he's able to take it, but he is caught by Ian and his henchmen. So there's a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a, a scuffle there. Um, Ben briefly hides in the gift shop, but he has to pay for, um, the, he like has the real declaration, but the, uh, gift shop operator cashier thinks that he's stealing one of the fake ones, which is like $50. So he has to pay for it. Um, but he uses his own credit card. So therefore it blows his cover. He actually runs into Abigail at the gala and she kind of suspects that he's up to something. Um, so she pursues him and finds out that he took the, the declaration and she tries to take it back. Um, and then Ian kidnaps her, but then Ben and Riley rescue her and they actually do kind of one of those, you know, classic switcheroos. So they think that they have the real declaration, but they have the fake one that, that Ben bought. Um, so now, it is um, up to uh, Ben and Abigail and Riley to kind of figure out what the next step is. Um, and Abigail's like, I'm not going anywhere without the, the declaration because she doesn't, still doesn't believe him that there is a map on the back. But they go to um, Patrick's house to uh, Lilo and um, he keeps trying to convince Ben that the treasure is a myth. It's not real, but Ben still is very adamant that the treasure is real. They then decide to look at the back of the declaration and um, using, I think it's lemon juice, they discover the, um, the hidden map on the back, which is actually a cipher. Um, and they use a hairdryer and the lemon juice to, to kind of get the cipher. And that's when they find that um, the code on the back is actually um, re referencing the silenced do-good letters written by Benjamin Franklin, um, which Pat Patrick used to own, but he sold them to the Franklin Institute. And then when um, Patrick finds out, he's like, what is this? What do you got? He like lifts up the declaration. They're like, no, 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 no. And he's like, what are you doing? It's the Declaration of Independence. And so then um, to kind of protect his father, they pretend to uh, like, they pretend that they like kidnapped him and like forced him to give them information, steal his car. And um, so they like tie him up and leave him there. And <laughs> so then they, they go to Philadelphia to go to the Franklin Institute 
um, and they kind of change clothes to appear, you know, less conspicuous because the do good letters, um, all of the, um, the cipher is different letters in a line of certain like letters and a word on a line of a certain page. So they actually paid this little boy to like keep going back and forth to get certain letters at a time. And um, Ian happens to kind of catch on to them. And he's like one step behind them the whole time. And he almost catches them, but doesn't quite get them. And because of these letters, they find another clue pointing to the bell tower of Independence Hall, where the Liberty Bell once was before it was moved. And, um, or I guess, no, it's still there. And, um, or is it? I'm not sure. Uh, and then um, based on where the shadow is, they find a hidden cache containing a pair of glasses, the bifocals that Benjamin Franklin um, invented. And um, they pull out the declaration and use the bifocals on it to reveal another clue referencing the location of Trinity Church, which is in New York City. And all this time, they're continually being chased by Ian and his henchmen, then is eventually arrested by the FBI, and Abigail and Riley actually lose the declaration in the scuffle. Um, however, Abigail convinces Ian to help them rescue Ben in exchange for the next clue. Ian agrees, arranging a meeting on the flight deck of the um, USS Intrepid, where they help Ben escape the FBI's custody. And when he's talking to the FBI, he keeps trying to explain what he's doing, why he did what he did. And they're like, well, here's, you kind of have two different choices. You have one choice, you go to prison for a long time, or you help us get the declaration back and you still go to prison for a long time. And Ben is like, is, do I have a choice where I don't go to prison? And um, the FBI agent, he's like, somebody's got to go to prison. So that's when he kind of like escapes them and he like jumps into the water. and. Um, so then the, everyone meets up again and Ian returns the declaration, asks for the next clue. Um, but when Ben remains coy about it, he reveals that he has actually captured his father as a hostage. They go into the church um, where they sit and study the back of the declaration by using um, the bifocals and based on just kind of the different ways that you can look at it. They lift up different lenses. They find the next clue, which leads them to an underground passage beneath a tomb in the basement. Um, and the passage appears to lead to a dead end. And this whole scene is actually nuts because it's a super, super, super old staircase that's like falling apart. There's even a man that, um, one of Ian's men that falls down and dies. And um, it's kind of intense. And um, but they end up getting to the bottom. And, um, but again, it appears that they found a dead end but it's lit by one lone lantern. So Patrick is like, oh, it's a reference to um, Paul Revere, you know, the, the one lantern, and it um, takes them to um, an old church in Boston. And so Ian's like, all right, well, we got what we need, and he abandons them all down there. Um, the only way up and down, which is like a super old elevator system. So they're all trapped down there. <laughs> and um, Ben realizes that Patrick was, was lying, you know, that's not the next clue. Um, and uh, the group instead discovers a small hidden treasure room, but it appears as though it has been looted. And so Ben's super upset. He's like, oh, I really thought I was going to find the treasure. I really thought it was going to be here. And um, he and his dad have kind of a heart to heart. And he's like, you know, maybe the treasure was, you know, the hard work of America. I forget exactly what he says, but they, they have this really sweet moment. And um, they actually find that 
they were wrong. And there's a little notch in the wall that the pipe from the beginning of the movie can fit into and it opens another door and they go inside and the whole treasure is there. And it's like millions and millions and millions of dollars and like things from hundreds of thousands of years ago. And it's just a beautiful moment in history. And uh, Riley, who's like complaining like the entire movie because he just just is not quite as you know mentally strong as as ben i guess and he you know thought he was gonna die down there he's like crying and they're like riley are you crying and he's like look stairs <laughs> so they find another way out and i forgot to mention that um ben and abigail kiss so they kind of you know form a relationship and so um, once they make it out ben meets with um Sadusky and he tries to um you know say hey look the treasure was real. I was right. Can I not go to prison? And he actually finds out that he was actually um, a modern Freemason as well. He sees the ring that he's wearing and he gives him back the declaration in one piece, tells him all about the treasure. Um, and in exchange for clemency and credit for discovery, um, he tips him off to where Ian and his men are and they all get arrested. Um, and then later at the end of the film, Ben and Abigail have um, started a relationship and he only takes he turned down 10% of the finder's fee, which probably was millions of dollars, um, and only got 1%, um, but he still has this, like, gorgeous house, and Riley gets, like, I think he had, like, half of a percent or something, and um, has this, like, beautiful car, and um, and that's kind of the end. So that's kind of the end of the movie. Um, it actually went on to have, was it two sequels, I believe? There's Book of Secrets, and I swear there's another one. Although at first there wasn't a plan for a sequel. In 2007, National Treasure Book of Secrets was released. Got to be honest, I didn't see that one. I've only seen the original. Um, and they thought that they were working on a third one, but it said in October 2013, Turtletop confirmed um, that they all wanted to do the third film, um, but that it was going to be a couple of years. In 2016, Nicolas Cage confirmed that the film is still in the writing process. In 2018, um, it was they said that the script was coming to a close, but Disney was not completely sold on it. And in January 2020, it was announced that um, Chris Brenmer, the writer of Bad Boys for Life, would write a new script for it. And in May of this year, Jerry Bruckheimer had confirmed that not only was there a third film in development, the original cast, but also that a Disney Plus series was in the works with the same premise as the original, but focusing on a much younger cast. So that's kind of fun. What on earth? <laughs> I mean, like... <laughs> They could not get it figured out. So it takes them like literally seven years to decide that eventually they're going to have a National Treasure 3 and a TV series. Like, I guess. And you know what? It takes less time to make a Pixar film. So like, come on, guys, get on it. Like those movies take so much time in all of the animation and you couldn't get together to get the third movie made. But whatever. We are supposedly getting a third film and a TV series. <laughs> And I'm all about it. But like I said, I haven't seen the second one. Nina, have you seen the second one? I have not. Though just knowing all of this backstory that it's like so like they just like could not figure out the script kind of thing really makes me like not interested in seeing it. Like it has to be amazing, right? Or awful. Like true. I feel like though, I feel like the series would be fun with a bunch of like a younger cast of probably like like high schoolers maybe. Like that yeah, if it was just like, you know, oh, they get to like find a clue to 
hunting a treasure like in every episode then yeah that'd be a super fun like kids show to watch but i'd watch it there's only so far you can go with movies about treasure hunters people (laughs) come on (laughs) it's true but um this film on its own i i love it like i said um it's not a perfect film it's definitely cheesy there's definitely a lot of plot holes there's definitely a lot of like this could never happen type of situations but it's fun and i just i love everything about it and i just love nick cage and i just love all of the you know, historical references and all the scenes in DC. And I especially love, I didn't bring this up in the plot synopsis, but I love the scene where they're in the church and they're, you know, pulling the declaration out again. And um, uh, Ben just kind of like, you know, takes a moment. They're like, what? He's like, I just remembered that the last time that the declaration was in this room, it was being signed. And it's just like, oh, it's just so fun. Like, I, I love it. Like, it's cheesy. It is cheesy, but I love it. It's just, it's such a, just a feel good movie about treasure hunting and America. I don't It know. is. If you, and my husband and I were talking about this because we, we rewatched it so that we could do the, re, so tell we could do the he, podcast. Tell me he loves it. Did he love it? Um, he said he, <laughs> we were talking about, you just have to keep your expectations low going into this movie that like, it's not going to be very realistic. You know, it, at this point it's already like pretty dated yeah. So there's all of that to consider too. But I mean, if you aren't expecting a very historically accurate like adventure film, which like when would you ever like the only thing I can really compare it to is like Indiana Jones kind of. Yeah. It's like an action film with like Indiana Jones is like an action film with like a little bit of history in there. Whereas this is like a little bit more history heavy, but still an action film. True. Uh, and a Disney film, so you gotta... Yes. Nina did a little bit of research on this film, and I would love to get more nuggets like the karaoke one that you already uh, gave yeah. us. So what else did you find out? Yeah, so um, when I was researching the history of the filmmaking, so I thought this was kind of funny and, and kind of just adds to my point that, like, why, why did it take so many people to write this movie? But um, they originally announced in 1999 that they are going to be releasing this movie, National Treasure, in the year 2000. But the script was so complex that they ended up hiring a total of nine writers. Oh, God. <laughs> between 1999 and 2003, before it finally was released in 2004. Like, what? Oh, God. Somebody had a really good idea and then was like, okay, I want to make this, like, kind of historically accurate, but kind of, like, really fun, and then, yeah, so Jim Koff, or however you say his last name, Kauf, admitted that, like, he just struggled with tying all of his ideas into one and making the history parts of it sound, or, like, sound like they're legit, which he did, like, he said that he really tried hard to make everything, like, as realistic and as, like, true to fact as it could be, while still making the story interesting and making it make sense so um i'm sure it was very difficult but i just think it's hilarious that it was announced in 99 and then it didn't release until 2004 and then knowing what we know about the third film it's like okay this whole this whole get it together <laughs> trilogy is just kind of struggled a little bit but you know what they got there so um i have here that jim Koff, who wrote the screenplay co-wrote the screenplay wanted to wanted it to draw on, national, on actual history so he said that he also wanted to use as many like references to u.s history and as many real locations as possible it he says 
if we were laying it out as a true story, then I'd agree that we were taking too too many liberties. So Mm -hmm. I I think it it makes sense why he kind of struggled with it. At the end of the first film, if you listen to the commentary, I'm guessing on the DVD, um, they actually talk about how there are no plans for them to make a sequel. And then it did so well in the box office, um, 347.5 million worldwide. Um, So Disney was like, yeah, let's, let's keep this gravy train going. And uh, they were given the green light to do the second film in 2005. When did you say, I think it came out in 2007, right? The sequel, yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess it must have. I don't know how well the sequel did um, comparatively, but the first one did so well in the box office that they were like, well, let's make another film. And then you kind of mentioned that earlier that. Now. Yeah. And then you kind of uh, mentioned earlier about how they wrote a book for the second one, which I think is really interesting that they didn't actually write a book. Like, there's no book for the first film for National Treasure, but because it was so successful they wrote a second book for it like a sequel book for it even though there's no first one hmm. and then it's the movie the set the sequel is also different than the book that they wrote <laughs> just don't get it so yeah. in this trilogy there's one book and it's the middle book for your reference yep hmm. so that's all like kind of interesting but as far as facts versus fiction for what we see in the film, so Charles Carroll, which we talk about how he's like the final um, sign, like living signer of the Declaration of Independence, was not actually a Freemason, which there's a lot of um, research about Freemasons and, and how they all played a part in, in history because they do all have, like a lot of very famous and um, very significant people in our history were masons and including george washington but it was a kind of a fiction thing for this movie that charles carroll was actually not a freemason so um there's one one little nugget of information for you um however there are rumors like legit rumors irl um (laughs) (laughs) that there are 18 templar ships that went missing that contained that contained a huge wealth um, and there was a ship called the Charlotte that was lost off the coast of Newfoundland in 1818 and it was never found. So that could be legit. We don't know. It could, it might be up in, where did they find it in the film? Iceland? The Arctic. The Arctic. The Charlotte, you mean? Yeah. Where they found the, the boat? Yeah, the Arctic. Mm-hmm. It could be up there. We don't know. It might be. <laughs> so there might really be a treasure? Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. There might be. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, there's a lot of secrets out there. I'm sure that there's some treasure somewhere in the world that has not been discovered. And wouldn't we all be so surprised if it was legit national treasure <laughs> under a church? And it was Nicolas Cage who went and found it. <laughs> and <laughs> like, Nicolas Cage found it. Like, he's in his late 50s, so he would probably be like, I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> what else is he going to do? I know. I mean, come on. In his free time, he's just going to go treasure hunting. Hell yeah. Um, I thought this was really cool that on the back of the $100 bill that they show in the movie, um, there there's like a clock on the Independence Hall tower mm-hmm. that's, that reads in the film, it reads 222, which it actually did does. Um, but then, and nobody knows why that time was chosen. And then in 2013, they like re-released $100 bills and changed the time to 1030 nobody knows why sneaky super weird i wonder if they were like 
now everybody knows this. Everyone knows the secret. (laughs) We have to change the time. Why else would you change the time? I just don't, I just don't get it. Weird. I know. Hmm. Yeah. Um, And I thought this was cool too, that they say that like Ben Franklin came up with daylight savings time, which he sort of did, um, but he was not credited for it. So he like had published or proposed an idea about it in 1784 and it never really went anywhere but then some guy named george Vernon hudson came along and officially proposed it in 1895 and that's when it stuck so poor ben franklin didn't get the credit for it can you just can everyone relate to that you come up with an idea and somebody else steals it from you i, <laughs> I mean, guess ben franklin had some other you know good things going on he can't have everything <laughs> so he did not get the credit for daylight savings time which I can, every year when it happens, I'm like, do I like it or do I not like it? Does Arizona have the right idea? You know, there has been talk to actually get rid I of know. it, which is which, insane. But I really like it when it's I like it in the fall. In the days. Yeah, yeah. Or when you get it and you get that extra hour of sleep and it's like, oh. heck yeah. Though I think other healthcare providers can relate to me when I say that it actually kind of sucks when you're working the daylight saving time when yeah. it falls back and then you have to work an extra hour and, and you don't get paid for it. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that sucks. Oh, like, just, just kidding. <laughs> yep. I remember daylight savings this last year. Um, my son was uh, not quite five months old and I remember it was a nightmare. Like he just like, it threw off his entire sleep. He didn't nap the whole day. It was horrible. And then the next day in daycare, I came in and dropped him off and all the kids were screaming and they're like, yeah, it's daylight savings. <laughs> You're just like, this. this is what happens. I was like, oh God. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. Um, it's also just so weird that you're, you're kind of just expected to change your whole life around this like one hour of time that like affects the, I don't know, it affects how much daylight there is, obviously, that's the point, but it's mm-hmm. just really weird that it's like, like when I know that it's coming up, I'm like, okay, I have to try and like make sure that I sleep in and I change all my clocks and I uh-huh. don't miss any appointments. Um, kind of a funny random side story is that one of my girlfriends in college um, we were in a sorority together and she was from Arizona and did not know about daylight savings time. And she was a freshman and we had some event that day um, and she missed it by an hour because she didn't know. But like no one ever told her about it? Like, they I mean, didn't... I think we were just like, because, you know, like in your calendar on your phone, it comes up with daylight savings time, but she just like didn't think anything of it. And then just like didn't show up to this event. And we were like, where are you? And she's like, um, what time is it? <laughs> That's too bad. That's funny though. I wonder, um, Maggie's from Arizona. I wonder, uh, well, I mean, she obviously knows about it now. Maggie, one of our recruiters, mm-hmm. I'm sure maybe that was interesting. A little yeah. adjustment as well. Yeah. Maybe when Maggie actually went to the same school that I did at, at UNL. So maybe she had the same problem when she came <laughs> to Lincoln. <laughs> Who That's knows? Funny. Anyway, then I just kind of wrote down a bunch of like little weird factoids for you. So, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, these are just like quick little random things that I don't have any further information on. But lemon juice does not reveal invisible ink, FYI. Oh. Um, ben couldn't have cut through the brick to get to those 3D glasses. Like, you can't just cut through brick. Yeah. Um, iodine and super glue together can reveal fingerprints, but only after like six hours of processing. So it's not like it was like 30 seconds on the film and it takes a lot longer than that. Okay. Um, the invisible ink password trace trick does actually work. 
So that's a good thing to know. And then there's unfortunately no hidden tunnel underneath the Trinity Church, at least that anyone's aware of. They talk about in this article that there's like literally no room for it because the subway's right there. So kind of a bummer. But maybe there is, and we just maybe they they just want us to us that there's no room for it. That's that's interesting. I um I just I just love all of the just the scenery in this movie and I love mm-hmm. just I don't know it's just so much adventure and fun and um have you, have you been back to DC since eighth grade? I sure have. I went twice. I went oh, once on. with my family. My dad is actually from the area. My grandfather was in the military. They moved around a lot, but he spent a lot of time up in um, the Northeast. So we went there in 2012. And then I went there just this past February for our meet and greet. Um, oh, yeah. Which, yeah, which was a ton of fun. I love the DC area. It's just, it's beautiful. Um, definitely a little different these days, but um, I just love all of the the monuments. Just, it's just such a beautiful place full of so much history and um, I don't know, there's just something about it. And also there's, there were a lot of really cool spots that we went to that I weren't even like historically related. Like we went to um, a drag brunch, which was so much fun. It was in this like, you know, like an old market type uh, neighborhood which was fun. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, do you have a favorite? Have you ever been to DC? Well, aside from eighth grade? No. And that's kind of my thing about it. Like in my mind, the way that I remember it, it's so like majestic and like my memories of it coincide with, you know, we learned about that stuff in eighth grade and then we went and saw it immediately after. So it was like all the pieces were clicking together and it was just Mm -hmm. so cool that I wonder that if I went back now, if I would feel the same way about it, or if I'd be like, no, it's okay. You know, that's true. Yeah. And especially being kids from the Midwest, like that, a a trip like that is a big deal. Like if you live (laughs) out there, like you just go there, you know, like it was a big deal for us to go. Um, and just those monuments are, they're just larger than life. Like it just, it's when you go and when we were driving around one of the days when we went there, just this, um, past meet and greet, I mean, we'd be driving and on the left, you'd see the Washington Monument on the right. You could see, you know, the reflection pool and the Lincoln Memorial. Like, it's just, it's insane. Like how giant these things are and um, just how big DC is, but how compact it is. And um, there's no way you could get it all done in a day. Like, and um, one of my favorite things that I saw there was um, that I think I've seen every time that I've gone is the Museum of... um, American history, like North American history, mm-hmm. it has some of the coolest stuff. It has the original flag that inspired um, the Star Spangled Banner. It has a lot of items of pop culture. Um, it's just a really, like it has the Batmobile. Like it is just such a cool, cool space with a ton of cool things. Um, and I also love the Lincoln Memorial because I do love Lincoln. We actually almost named my son Lincoln. Um, he ended up being named after another president. Um, not really, just it happened to, <laughs> happened to also be the name of another president. But, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I just love that one. I love, you know, the stairs leading up to Lincoln and seeing the reflection pool. And you can see the Washington Memorial from there. It's just, it's, it really is kind of a, like a humbling moment when you see, you know, just like how far we've come as a nation and still how far we have yet to go. Um, but it's just, it's just very surreal when you, when you're up close and see those things. Do you have a favorite? Um, like a favorite monument? Yes. Um, 
Hmm. That's a tough question. We did do a tour of the White House, which I thought was really cool then. And that was in, yeah. Um, It was obviously like a limited tour. And it was really, it was crazy too, because it was shortly after 9-11, just a couple of years. So there was a lot of like extra security measures that we had to go through that our teachers were saying that they never had to do this before. And um, it was just really cool. I would say, I mean, that was like the best thing that I remember from that whole thing. I also thought that... um, uh, what's the theater that Lincoln got shot at? What's it called? Um, Forbes Theater. Yeah, I I've, so. I've been there as well. That and they have like a little museum like underneath with like the clothes he was wearing when he was mm-hmm. shot and like bloodstains on it. I thought that was like so fascinating when I was there, which is super morbid now that I'm thinking about it. But oh yeah, I thought it was it was like the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. Like somebody died in that outfit. There's his blood like on. I'm uh, sorry, but. I was, I've never seen anything like that before. And I thought it was just so crazy that it was something that you could just walk up and look at behind glass. Mm-hmm. Also all this stuff in the Smithsonian, I thought the same thing about all of that. I'm like, mm-hmm. the coolest thing I remember I was like looking forward to it so much was seeing Dorothy's red slippers. <laughs> Which museum is that in? I think that's the American History Museum. I think so too. Yeah. I was like, I can't wait to see Dorothy's slippers. <laughs> it was so cool. When I so- went there in 2012, they had, um, Daniel Radcliffe's first costume for Harry Potter. Oh my God, that's so cool. It is like just very cool things that they've collected that mm-hmm. people can go and see. And um, yeah, speaking at Forbes Theater, I said Forbes, Forbes Theater. <laughs> um, I'm looking at a picture of it. It's a beautiful theater. It's obviously been reconstructed um, since uh, Lincoln was assassinated there. But when I went there in eighth grade, um, our teacher was asking us, she's like, no, who knows what play they were saying? Whoever answers it right gets candy. And I knew this answer. And the only reason I knew this answer was because of the movie Bewitched with um, Brendan Fraser. And they say it in the movie. And that is the only reason I knew. But I, I said it. And it was our American cousin. And I never got candy. And I'm still mad about it. Like, you owe me, Mrs. Reiner. <laughs> Maybe she'll listen to this and be Maybe. like, send me some candy. She'll just stumble upon it and be like, ooh, National Treasure Podcast. Let's listen to this. <laughs> well, I've always really wanted to go back, and my husband's actually never been. He's traveled the world and all over the United States, but he's never been to D.C. I think he would love it, so I really, really want to go back. Um, hopefully, this us watching this movie over the weekend kind of put a little, I don't know, a little pep in his step to get some tickets booked. Though so I don't know if anything is even open right now. Any of those things? Yeah, I don't know. And we went right before all this, you know, the pandemic took off. And actually, I remember being scared because um, nothing in the United States was shut down yet, but there was a lot of, you know, there was obviously picking up steam. And so I was a little nervous about being in an airport. Um, but thankfully, we went when we did. And um, we didn't really get to see that many, you know, monuments or anything like that or going to any museums um so i would love to go back my husband hasn't been either and he loves history i would love to i would love to go back to dc i was also going to say that the holocaust museum was like one of my favorite things that i only saw there did you do that the holocaust museum mm-hmm. it, oh my god it, i went there i didn't go in eighth grade I, it wasn't open yet i don't think um or it had like just opened um but it is if you're gonna go like take some time because it mm-hmm. took us like three hours to get through because I mean, you, you can't just, it's not like a museum that you can just like walk through and kind of pick and choose what you want to look at. Like if you really want to, you know, appreciate not appreciate, but like, you know, really sit down and inform yourself on 
from the very beginning to, you know, the end of World War II, you're going to have to take some time while you're there. And it is, mm-hmm. well, it hurts your heart going through that museum. For sure. It's extremely, extremely uh, moving. Yes. <clears throat> Such a fascinating place to go. Um, but anyway, so how would you rate this film, Jamie? I know you love it, so. I think that I would give this movie a five out of five. It is a just a wonderful, fantastic, fun film. I know that it has its flaws. It's not a perfect film by any means, but I just, I absolutely love it. And I watch it this time every year. And like I said, it's a great family film to watch. So if you have kids and you have some free time this weekend when you're not, um, you know, blowing off fireworks, and especially now because there is still a pandemic and if you want to still celebrate, but you know, uh, socially distance. You can definitely watch this movie at home. Um, but yeah, it's a wonderful film. Five out of five forever. What would you rate it? <laughs> I don't have such strong feelings about this film. I would think I'm probably about like a three out of five. Okay. I read online, um, people were calling it a conspiracy film online, which like is kind of accurate. <laughs> like, I didn't think about it until I saw that. And I was like, yeah, it's just kind of a conspiracy film. Um, I also read that after the movie came out, a lot of people were like, wait, is there something on the back of the Declaration of Independence? And people were like hounding the- um, We want answers. Yeah, like I think people really started getting something in their head about (laughs) some stuff in this movie, which I just thought was hilarious. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a good family film. It's fun. It's just unrealistic. Um, I remember watching it. I didn't really, I watched it one time, I think maybe in like 2007 or something like that. And I, there's so many little things like the movie for how long it is, which that's kind of one thing that I didn't love about it, that it's super long, but um, it moves really fast and you can miss stuff really easily. Like even when I was watching it over the weekend, like I would look down at my phone and then I'd look back up and be like, Oh crap. Like why, what happened? And I have to rewind it. Um, I have questions though, too. Like there were so many times that the two groups like could have just really the only fight that they had was the, what's his name? Ian. Ian. Yeah. Ian wanted to steal the declaration and what, what's the other guy's name? Ben. Ben. Yeah. So Ian wanted to steal the declaration of independence and Ben didn't want to. And then they like divided their groups. And then there was like so many times where they could have just been like, all right, well, we're, we're here for the same cause. So let's just like get back together, join our group back together and tackle this together. And they didn't. So I was like, I just feel like the the like extra added level of like the the race to whoever would get it first is kind of like pointless I guess um that's well, kind of like a weird nitpicky thing I think that Ben knew that Ian was not a good guy and I think he knew that if he obtained the declaration that he was going and if he found the treasure he would not do good things with it I think he thought that he would keep it for himself and not like, I think Ben just wanted to find the treasure and be like, I found it and mm-hmm. give it back to the United States as and opposed Ian to- wanted it for like money. Right. I think that was the main difference. I don't know how you could get away with just keeping all that money to yourself though. Like, <laughs> like, like hundreds of year old relic. Yeah. Trying uh, to like sell it at like Pawn Stars. Right. The best I can give you is 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Sell it on eBay. You don't know where this came from. 
Yeah. So I don't know, but it is, it's all in good fun. Um, I can appreciate that about the movie too. So um, my favorite part about this though, is that Sean Bean is one of my like favorite actors for like all of the things that he's been in. He's been in a hundred thousand things and he always dies. Yes. Which is so funny. Like literally I bet it's like on the internet. This is like a whole thing. (laughs) Like I'm going to Google it right now. How many Sean Bean. So um, deaths. there is a YouTube channel called Cinema Sins that I absolutely love. And it is a guy that watches movies and he counts how many like movie sins are in it. And I think this one, I watched the one for National Treasure. And I think it was like 90 some odd sins, which I'd say is average. And by sins, it's usually like just stuff that doesn't make sense. Um, you know, plot holes, movie cliches, things like that. And, um, and it's funny, (laughs) like in the comments, people are like, okay, now you've gone too far. How dare you (laughs) review this movie? (laughs) But really like some of the things that he pointed out, like, like one of them, like was, you know, Benjamin Franklin, when he wrote these letters, he was like 15 years old. So it was like, why would they take this 15 year old seriously? So, I mean, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Makes funny. I just Googled, I just Googled Sean Bean and it says he's died a total of 25 times in movies and TV shows, but he's not even the one that's been the kill. That's been killed the most time. John Hurt has been killed 43 times on screen. Who is that? John Hurt. Uh, I feel like I know who that is. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. He's the guy. Oh, he is in Harry Potter, but he's the wand guy. yes he died not that long ago yes he did oh he died like three days after olivander yes oh that's so sad yeah oh yeah and he's in indiana jones he's in like v for vendetta he's in a bunch of bunch of stuff alien anyway he died the most times but sean bean is not not too far after him so he (laughs) made it out alive in this movie i was very proud of him (laughs) he did get arrested but at least he got arrested but he's alive yes left with his life true true uh, well guys yeah that is national treasure um so again it's available on disney plus give that one a watch i'm sure many of you have probably seen this movie already i hope you enjoyed our review i hope it was fun um and i hope you give this movie a watch um, if there are other like historical or america centered films that you guys like to watch around this time of year leave them in the comments let us know um and i just really want to end this podcast with um because it is the 4th of july i understand again like i said in the beginning that you know we we are not in a great place as a nation right now we are divided there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of anger out there there's a lot of change that needs to be made for us to move forward and of course the pandemic being the only nation out there right now that is continuing to increase in numbers but i won't get into that i will just say this that um it is it is it is a tough time and sometimes it feels like we shouldn't be celebrating because there's so again so much hurt out there right now um but um it is nice to take a step back and remember that there are still a lot of great things about living in the United States. And there are a lot of great people here who are, are working to make it a better place. And I know that our healthcare professionals are some of those very people that work every day to make a difference. So thank you guys again, as always, for everything that you do for us and our loved ones. Please stay safe. Have a happy 4th of July. Be safe. Hopefully you guys don't end up in the ER with any injuries and um, keep on streaming. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. 
Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if we should give it a review. Until next time, keep streaming. <laughs>